the new king, the rescuing king, the forever king. Those three words I want to unpack with you tonight for just a few minutes. Just a few minutes. So glad you're here tonight. Thank you for coming out on this Christmas Eve to be with us. And if you're joining us tonight for the first time tonight, we're wrapping up a four-week series. We've been doing this Advent season. Uh, a series we've called The Coming Light. You see it there behind me. The Coming Light in which we've looked at passages from the Gospel of John. Passages that refer to Jesus as light. Jesus is light. When we say that, that Jesus is light, here's what we mean. That He is the one that brought truth to the world. Reality and purpose and salvation to the world. And we finish this Christmas story of Jesus' birth we heard read tonight. I don't know about you, but... I think I know for me, the record of my birth will be forgotten within one or two generations of my life, of my death. Nobody will probably, unless something really freakish happens, remember me in history, right? It's probably your story too, or in history books. And I mean, in 50 years or so after my death, there won't really be anyone that has a living memory of me still. And probably for all of us. If you think about your birth, your life, and someday when God calls you home and you pass on. So what's so amazing about Jesus Christ? This birth story. This story that we celebrate at Christmas and why has it lasted so long and survived thousands of years after His life on earth? And here's another question for us tonight. And what do you really think about this baby in the manger that we still celebrate at Christmas time? Do you think of him as a king? Is he a new king, a rescuing king, and a forever king? And if he is, what does that mean for your life? Sometimes I'm afraid we've taken the Christmas story and sort of domesticated it a little bit. We think about a baby that was born, rightfully so, even a special baby, but we can sometimes leave the story in the manger. When in fact, that's really just in some ways the beginning of the story. The beginning of the end of God's plan to restore His broken world. A world that was broken and marred by sin. So what's so amazing? What is so amazing is that this story, the Christmas story, it's recorded in Matthew and Luke that we heard the Burnhams read tonight from Luke. And then we heard read in the book, The Christmas Promise. This story was also started thousands of years before it actually happened. There were those that recorded in, Bible, in the Bible, in Scripture, the promises of this coming King thousands of years before it even happened. That's pretty amazing. And that this baby fulfilled those promises thousands of years later. The promises that were made to God's people. Promises of a new. Promises of a rescuing. Promises of a forever king. And I thought it'd be fun to just take just a couple minutes on each one of those words to see why he's remembered. Why we're here tonight. Why we're gathered. Why we celebrate Christmas and this baby. And know that that's the reason we can have hope and joy and true life tonight because of this king so let's talk about it. what was the first one anybody remember a good, oh you guys were listening good a new king a new king 
Kings have come and gone throughout history and they will continue to come and go. Rulers and leaders, sovereigns, great powers, they will come and go. But never any king like Jesus has come. And there's actually no other religion of the world that makes these type of claims that his kingship makes. That's what's so unique about him. That's what was so new about him. The claims that were made about him are nowhere else in history made about any other person. Anybody else ever. The early promises were made to a man named Abraham 2,000 years before Jesus was born. And I want you to listen to the promise of this new king. And as I read this passage, and you'll see it behind me, listen to and hear the all-encompassing language. The language that speaks of a promise for, for the world. Worldwide language. And hope that it's not just a baby in a manger. Here's, the, here's what God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your, your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And here's the line. And in you, all, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Not just Abram's family. Not just even the Jews, you might say. God said to Abraham, all the families of the earth, that's all encompassing, will be blessed. All. In you, Abraham, from your family, a blessing will come to all peoples for all time, even today, 2,000 years after his birth. The Bible records even for us a genealogy from Abraham to Jesus. We're not going to read that tonight, but come sun, next Sunday we'll read it. Uh, it. It records that though, so that we can see, we can track this 2,000 year family tree to find the new king in the manger did come from this family. It's amazing. There's never been a king like that. The one who'd be a blessing to all people. So here's the question tonight. Is he your new king? Is he your new king tonight? Well, a new king who would also be, what was the second word of kids? What was the second one? Yeah, a rescuing king. A new king. And the second one was a rescuing king. Do you know some 700 years before Jesus was born? So it was 2,000, but still even 700 years before. That's a long time. Before he was born, a man named Isaiah told about this king. He told about this king who would rescue us from our biggest problem. And what's that? It's ourselves. It lives inside of us. He'd be a king who would come and die for sinners. And the alienation that we have from God, that only God Himself can restore. That's what Isaiah said. And so God becomes a man at Christmas. Heaven and earth meet in Jesus. Can you imagine that? Heaven and earth come together in this baby's birth in the manger. The baby in the manger. So that he can do this. The words of Isaiah the prophet. So that he can do this. Surely he's borne our griefs. You'll see it coming up from Isaiah 53. Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken. Smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our 
iniquities. There it is, our sin. Upon Him was the chastisement, the punishment that brought us peace. And with His wounds, we are healed. And we like sheep, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to His own way. And yet the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. So yes, it was a baby in that manger. But that baby came to earth to start, to begin, to finish a rescuing mission of humanity. That's what happened in that manger. We all know if you think about it, I know you know the world isn't right. There are things that happen, there are things that take place that we just know it shouldn't be that way. And we all know if you think not just the world, but you know the desires of your own heart. The desires of our own heart can be twisted and go our own way. Just like Isaiah said in that passage, all we like sheep have gone astray. We know that. You know that. I know that. We all know we need somebody to make it right. To fix what's broken outside of us and what's also broken inside of us. Isaiah tells us of the king who would be broken. The king who would be crushed. The king who would be afflicted. The king who would be smitten, killed for us. Taking on himself the chastisement. Kind of a strange old world, a word, but it really means punishment that we deserve so that we could be right again with our Maker, with God. He laid it on him, Isaiah says, our iniquity, our wrongs, our sins, so we could be healed. So healing started in that manger that night. Healing for the world. Healing for you as He came to rescue us. So, is He your rescuing King? Is He your new King? Is He your rescuing King? And what was the final word? Anybody remember? What was it? Forever. Yeah, forever. A forever King. A forever King. As we read in that story, kings come and go, don't they? Leaders come and go. None of them will last forever. Some 600 years before Jesus, another promise was given about this forever king who would be called, here's the phrase, the Son of Man. The Son of Man. I want you to think about that phrase. The Son of Man. Sounds like a pretty plain title, doesn't it? The Son of Man. I mean, if you're sitting here tonight, You are either a son or daughter of a man, aren't you? You're the son or daughter of a man. It's the way it just that's just life, right? It's a pretty plain title. But I want you to look at something. The last prophecy we'll read tonight. Look at how this son of man is described. Look at how this one is described from the book of Daniel, some six hundred years before Jesus was born. And behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, that's God, and he was presented before him. And to him was given, this Son of Man, dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. The dominion isn't everlasting. There it is, forever. Everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Who but God would be given glory, 
eternal dominion over all peoples and all nations. And they would come and and serve and worship Him. Who would that be reserved for but for God? Not any just old human. Not any normal king. Not any just normal leader. But for God. This one, this Son of Man. Do you know... Do you know what Jesus' favorite title was to use for Himself? Son of Man. Son of Man. It was a title He used for Himself more than any other title. The Son of Man. Here's what He said in Mark 10. For even the Son of Man, there it is, came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. It's kind of strange. Jesus was such a special, new, uh, rescuing, forever king. Why did he use such a, I mean, it seems like such a plain title, Son of Man. I mean, you would have had to know the book of Daniel with a passage I just read to catch the meaning. Oh, that he's eternal, a kingdom forever. We would serve and worship him. You'd have to know that passage. Here's why. I think it's because he didn't come to the manger to be the king or the type of king everyone wanted him to be. They wanted a political or a, a powerful or a boisterous or an influential, maybe a war maker even, to come and be that type of king. But Jesus was quiet. He was subtle. Sometimes he would make explicit claims about who he was. Sometimes it was sort of implicit because he was waiting for just the right moment. Just the right moment. And you know when it was? When he was on trial. To say it as clear as possible. Not too early. Not too late. Because he knew he came to be that type of king. A king to die for his people. He didn't want to do it too early and get enthroned in some way that he didn't come for. He wanted just the right time. And look what he says. He comes before the high priest, and the high priest says to him, Are you the Christ? That's the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed. Look what Jesus says. Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man, seated at the right hand of power, and coming with the clouds of heaven. He claimed that title and he filled it in that moment with all the meaning he could because he knew what would happen next. And it did. The baby in the manger waited till the exact right moment where he knew, I'll show them I truly am God. The exact right moment when he knew by claiming this, this Son of Man title, this God figure title, that he'd be crucified for it. That's Jesus. That's the baby in the manger. That's our king. I love the picture of the uh, last picture of that book we read. Jesus, a new king, a rescuing king, a forever king. I love how it's got his life in these little pictures there. A baby born who becomes a carpenter who grows as a man who teaches and brings truth to the world, who dies on the cross. But then we have that final picture. He couldn't be a forever king unless he resurrected from the grave. And he is seated at the right hand. And as he said in those words, he will come again. 
in glory. Tonight, yes, we celebrate the first coming of Jesus, but what I hope you're waiting for tonight truly is His second coming because He will come again as He promised in the book of Daniel. Like a, a powerful king on the clouds. You see it, a picture there. So we have hope tonight. You can have hope tonight. You can know your Maker tonight when you come to Him as your King. So is He also your forever King? Is He your new King? Is He your rescuing King? Is He your forever King? I hope He is. If you're not sure, talk to somebody who brought you tonight. Come talk to me. Talk to one of our elders. Come back next Sunday if you're not sure. But it's one of the most important questions you can ever answer. Would you pray with me? Father, we come tonight knowing that Jesus Christ is the King of the world. This baby born in a manger who fulfilled all these prophecies. What really started in the manger was the beginning of the end of this rescue plan for humanity. And so, Lord, we celebrate it in our hearts tonight. We celebrate it with our families tonight. We celebrate it around our trees tonight and tomorrow morning as we um, share time with family and friends. And Lord, let us celebrate it year-round that Christ, You've broken into the world. Heaven and earth have met and the Redeemer has come. And someday, as Daniel said, and even as Jesus claimed, the Son of Man will come back and He will take us home. Or really, ultimately, bring us a new home down to earth. We thank you for this story. We thank you that you've kept it going in the church and throughout the world. We pray and know that it'll keep going forever. Let us be part of that, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Well, tonight as we close, one of the things I love about Christmas Eve is candles and candle lighting and being together with our family and singing songs. And hopefully you got a candle on the way in. Did, you, did everybody get one? Hopefully you got one. Tonight we're going to light the Christ candle, which is the center one here. It's a white candle, and it represents the spotless Lamb, Jesus Christ, who came into the world, this King that we read about and heard about tonight. And then what I'm going to do is light my candle from that, and we've got a few guys that are coming down right now to the front, and I'm going to pass it off to three different guys, and they're going to go down and light the rose in the middle, and then we're going to pass the flame down. So here's what I want you to do. When they come to you, uh, the best way is the lit candle stays up, and the candle that's not lit, bend it. Because if you have a lit candle, you kind of you pour wax on somebody, don't you? So if you don't have a lit candle, bend into the, the one that's lit that's coming to you to help us out. Parents, uh, help your kids out there and keep it in front of you, not too far in front of you because you've got people in front of you. But we want to have this room just be lit with these lights. And here's what this symbolizes. As these go out, as these pass through the aisles, they symbolize the light of the world, the coming light, the culmination of our series the last four weeks. And that truth spreading out to the entire world. And David's going to lead us and the, and the group in a couple songs to close tonight. And after we're done singing, uh, I'll ask us to blow out our candles and I'll come and close us.